0: Chapter 9 of Puck of POOKE'S Hill by Rudyard Kipling. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Nick Whitley, Purley, United Kingdom. Dimchurch Flit. The Bee Boys' Song. Bees, bees, hark to your bees. Hide from your neighbors as much as you please, but all that has happened to us you must tell, or else we will give you no honey to sell. A maiden in her glory, upon her wedding day, must tell her bees the story, or else they'll fly away, fly away, die away, dwindle down and leave you. But if you don't deceive your bees, your bees will not deceive you. Marriage, birth, or burying news across the seas, all you're sad or merry in you must tell the bees tell em coming in and out where the fanners fan cause the bees are just about as curious as a man don't you wait where trees are when the lightnings play nor don't you hate where bees are or else they'll pine away pine away twine away anything To leave you but if you never grieve your bees your bees'll never grieve you dim church flit just at dusk a soft september rain began to fall on the hop pickers the mothers wheeled the bouncing perambulators out of the gardens bins were put away and tally books made up the young couples strolled home two to each umbrella and the single men walked behind them laughing. Dan and Una, who had been picking after their lessons, marched off to roast potatoes at the Oast House, where old Hobden, with blue-eyed Bess, his lurcher dog, lived all the months through, drying the hops. They settled themselves, as usual, on the sack-strewn cot in front of the fires, and when Hobden drew up the shutter, "'stared, as usual, at the flameless bed of coals "'spouting its heat up the dark well of the old-fashioned roundel. "'Slowly he cracked off a few fresh pieces of coal, "'packed them with fingers that never flinched "'exactly where they would do most good. "'Slowly he reached behind him, "'till Dan tilted the potatoes into his iron scoop of a hand carefully he arranged them round the fire and then stood for a moment black against the glare as he closed the shutter the oast house seemed dark before the day's end and he lit the candle in the lanthorn the children liked all these things because they knew them so well the bee boy hobden's son who is not quite right in his head though he can do anything with bees slipped in like a shadow they only guessed it when bessie's stump tail wagged against them a big voice began singing outside in the drizzle old mother laden wool had nigh twelve months been dead she heard the hops were doing well and then popped up her head there can't be two people made to holler like that cried old Hobden, wheeling round. For, oh, says she, "'the boys I've picked with, "'when I was young and fair, "'they're bound to be at Hoppin, "'and I'm—' "'A man showed at the doorway. "'Well, well, "'they do say Hoppin'll draw the very deadest, "'and now I believed them. "'You Tom? "'Tom Shoesmith?' "'Hobden lowered his lanthorn. "'You're a hem of a time "'making your mind to it, Ralph.' The stranger strode in, three full inches taller than Hobden, a grey-whiskered, brown-faced giant with clear blue eyes. They shook hands, and the children could hear the hard palms rasp together. "'You ain't lost none of your grip,' said Hobden. "'Was it thirty or forty year back you broke my head at Peasmarsh Fair?' "'Only thirty. And no odds tween us regardin heads neither. You had it back at me with a hop-pole. How did we get home that night swemmin'? Same way the pheasant come into Gubbs's pocket. By a little luck and a deal o conjuring.' Old Hobden laughed in his deep chest. I see you've not forgot your way about the woods. D'ye do any o this still? the stranger pretended to look along a gun hobden answered with a quick movement of the hand as though he were pegging down a rabbit wire no that's all that's left me now age she must as age she can and what's your news since all these years oh i've been to plymouth i've been to dover i've been rambling boys the wide world over the man answered cheerily I reckon I know as much of old England as most. He turned towards the children and winked boldly. I lay, they told you a sight o' lies, then. I've been ent to England fur as Wiltshire once. I was cheated proper over a pair of hedging gloves," said Hobden. "There's fancy talkin' everywhere. You've cleaved to your own parts, pretty middlin' close, Ralph." can't shift an old tree without it dying hobden chuckled and i be no more anxious to die than you look to be to help me with my hops to-night the great man leant across the brickwork of the roundel and swung his arms abroad hire me was all he said and they stumped upstairs laughing the children heard their shovels rasp on the cloth where the yellow hops lie drying above the fires and all the oast-house filled with the sweet, sleepy smell as they were turned. "'Who is it?' Una whispered to the bee-boy. "'Dunno. No more on you, if you dunno,' said he, and smiled. The voices on the drying floor talked and chuckled together, and the heavy footsteps moved back and forth. Presently a hop-pocket dropped through the press-hole overhead, and stiffened and fattened as they shoveled it full clank went the press and rammed the loose stuff into tight cake gently they heard hobden cry you'll bust her crop if you lay on so you be as careless as gleason's bull tom come and sit by the fires she'll do now they came down and as hobden opened the shutter to see if the potatoes were done Tom Shoesmith said to the children, Put a plenty salt on em. That'll show you the sort of man I be. Again he winked, and again the bee-boy laughed, and Una stared at Dan. I know what sort of man you be, old Hobden grunted, groping for the potatoes round the fire. Do ye? Tom went on behind his back. Some of us can't abide horseshoes. Or church bells, or running water, "'and talk in a running water,' "'he turned to Hobden, "'who was bagging out of the roundel, "'do you mind the great floods at Robertsbridge, "'when the miller's man was drowned in the street? "'Medlin' well.' "'Old Hobden let himself down on the coals by the fire-door. "'I was in my woman on the marsh that year. Cater to must Plum. I was, "'getting ten shillings week. "'Mine was a marsh-woman. odd gates place, Romney Marsh,' said Tom Shoesmith. "'I've heard say the world's divided, like, into Europe, "'Asi, Africa, Americ, Australia, and Romney Marsh.' "'The Marsh-folk think so,' said Hobden. "'I had a hammer o trouble to get my woman to leave it. Where did she come out of? I forgot, Ralph. Dim church under the wall, Hobden answered, a potato in his hand. Then she'd be a pet, or a wet gift, would she? Wet gift. Hobden broke open the potato, and ate it with the curious neatness of men who make most of their meals in the blowy open. She growed to be quite reasonable, like after living in the weald a while. But her first twenty year or two she was hard-fashioned no bounds and she was a wonderful hand with bees he cut away a little piece of potato and threw it out to the door ah i've heard say the wit could see further through a millstone than most said shoosmith did she now she was honest innocent of any nigromancin said hobden only she'd read signs and significations out o birds flyin stars fallin bees hivin and such, and she'd lie awake listening for calls, she said that don't prove naught, said Tom, all marsh folk has been smugglers since time everlasting twould be in her blood to listen out o nights, naturally old Hobden replied, smiling. "'I mind when there was smuggling a sight nearer us than what the marsh be. "'But that wasn't my woman's trouble. "'Twas a parcel o' no-sense talk,' he dropped his voice, "'about Pharisees.' "'Yes, I've heard marshmen believed in em. "'Tom looked straight at the wide-eyed children beside Bess. "'Pharisees?' cried Una. "'Pharisees? Oh, I see.' "'People of the hills,' said the bee-boy, throwing half of his potato towards the door. "'There you be,' said Hobden, pointing at him. "'My boy, he has her eyes and her outgate sense, That's what she called em. "'And what did you think of it all?' "'Um, um,' Hobden rumbled. "'A man that uses fields and shores after dark as much as I've done,' "'He don't go out of his road except for keepers.' "'But setting that aside,' said Tom coaxingly. "'I saw ye throw the good piece out at doors just now. "'Do ye believe, or do ye?' "'There was a great black eye to that tater,' said Hobden indignantly. "'My little eye didn't see en then.' It looked as if you meant it for, for any one that might need it, but settin' that aside, do ye believe or do ye? I ain't sayin' nothin', because I've heard nought, and I see nought. But if you was to say there was more things after dark in the shores than man or fur or feather or fin. "'I don't know as I'd go far about to call you a liar. "'Now, turn again, Tom. What's your say?' "'I'm like you. I say nothing. "'But I'll tell you a tale, and you can fit it as how you please.' Basil and no-sense stuff,' growled Hobden. "'But he filled his pipe. "'The Marshmen, they call it Dimchurch Flit.' tom went on slowly hap ye have heard it my woman she've told it me scores o times do know as i didn't end by belief in it sometimes hobden crossed over as he spoke and sucked with his pipe at the yellow lanthorn flame tom rested one great elbow on one great knee where he sat among the coal have you ever been in the marsh he said to Dan, only as far as Rye once Dan answered, Ah, that's but the edge back behind of her. there's steeples settin beside churches, and wise women settin beside their doors, and the sea settin above the land, and ducks herdin' wild in the dicks. He meant ditches, the marsh is just about riddled with dicks." "'and sluices, and tide-gates, and waterlets. "'You can hear em bubbling and grumbling "'when the tide works in em, "'and then you hear the sea ranging left and right-handed "'all up along the wall. "'You've seen how flat she is, the marsh. "'You'd think nothin' easier than to walk ain't on across her. "'Ah, but the dicks and the waterlets, "'they twists the roads about "'as ravelly as witch-yarn on the spindles. "'so you get all turned round in broad daylight.' "'That's because they've drained the waters into the decks,' said Hobden. "'When I courted my woman, the rushes was green. Eh me, the rushes was green. "'And the bailiff of the marshes, he rode up and down as free as the fog.' "'Who was he?' said Dan. "'Why, the marsh fever and egg he've clapped me on the shoulder once or twice till i shook proper but now the draining half of the waters have done away with the fevers so they make a joke like that the bailiff of the marshes broke his neck in a dick a wonderful place for bees and ducks tis too and old tom went on flesh and blood have been there since time everlasting beyond "'Well, now, speaking among themselves, "'the marshmen say that from time everlasting beyond "'the Pharisees favoured the marsh above the rest of old England. "'I lay the marshmen ought to know. "'They've been out after dark, father and son, "'smuggling some one thing or t'other, "'since ever wool grew to sheep's backs. "'They say there was always a middling few Pharisees "'to be seen on the marsh.' impudent as rabbits they was they'd dance on the naked roads in the naked daytime they'd flash their little green lights along the dicks coming and going like honest smugglers yes and times they'd lock the church doors against parson and clerk of sundays that'd be smugglers laying in the lace or the brandy till they could run it out of the marsh i've told my woman so said hobden oh lay she didn't believe it then not if she was a wet gift a wonderful choice place for pharisees the marsh by all accounts till queen bess's father he come in with his reformatories would that be a act of parliament like hobden asked surely can't do nothing in old england without act warrant and summons he got his act allowed him and they say queen bess's father he used the parish churches something shameful just about tore the gizzards out of I dunna many some folk in england they held with them, but some they saw it different and it ended in em taking sides and burnin each other no bounds according which side was top time being that terrified the pharisees for good-will among flesh and blood is meat and drink to em and ill-will is poison same as bees said the bee-boy bees won't stay by a house where there's a hatin true said tom this reformatory's terrified the pharisees same as the reaper going round a last stand of wheat terrifies rabbits they packed into the marsh from all parts and they says "'Fair or foul, we must flit out of this, for Mary England's done with, "'and we're reckoned among the images.' "'Did they all see it that way?' said Hobden. "'All but one that was called Robin, if you've heard of him.' "'What are you laughing at?' Tom turned to Dan. "'The Pharisees' trouble didn't touch Robin, "'because he'd cleaved middlin' close to people like.' No more he never meant to go out of old England, not he. So he was sent messaging for help, among flesh and blood. But flesh and blood must always think of their own concerns, and Robin couldn't get through with em, you see. They thought it was tide echoes off the marsh. "'What did you—what did the Fa- Pharisees want?' Una asked. "'A boat, to be sure.' Their little wings could no more cross-channel than so many tired butterflies. A boat and a crew, they desired, to sail them over to France, where yet a while folks hadn't torn down the images. They couldn't abide cruel Canterbury bells ringing to bulver highs for more poor men and women to be burneded, nor the king's proud messenger riding through the land giving orders to tear down the images, they couldn't abide it no shape. Nor yet they couldn't get their boat and crew to flit by without leave and goodwill from flesh and blood. And flesh and blood came and went about its own business, the while the marsh was swerving up, and swerving up with Pharisees from all England over, "'strive in all means to get through at flesh and blood, "'to tell em there's sore need. "'I don't know as you've ever heard say Pharisees are like chickens.' "'My woman used to say that, too,' said Hobden, folding his brown arms. "'They be. You run too many chickens together, "'and the ground sickens like, and you get a squat, "'and your chickens die.' Same way, you crowd Pharisees all in one place. They don't die, but flesh and blood walking among them is act to sick up and pine off. They don't mean it, and flesh and blood don't know it. But that's the truth, as I've heard. The Pharisees, through being all stenched up and frighted, and trying to come through with their supplications, They nature, ally, changed the thin airs and humours in flesh and blood. It lay on the marsh like thunder. Men saw their churches ablaze with the wildfire and the windows after dark. They saw their cattle scattering and no man scaring. Their sheep flocking and no man driving. Their horses lathering and no man leading. They saw the little low green lights More than ever in the dick-sides. They heard the little feet pattering More than ever round the houses, And night and day, day and night, T'was all as though they were being creeped up on, And hinted at by some one or other That couldn't rightly shape their trouble. Oh, I lay they sweated. Man and maid, woman and child, THEIR NATURE DONE em NO SERVICE ALL THE WEEKS, WHILE THE MARSH WAS SWARVING UP WITH PHARISEES. BUT THEY WAS FLESH AND BLOOD, AND MARSH MEN BEFORE ALL. THEY RECKONED THE SIGNS SIGNIFIED TROUBLE FOR THE MARSH, OR THAT THE SEA'D REAR UP AGAINST Dymchurch WALL, AND THEY'D BE DROWNED LIKE OLD WINCHELSEA, OR THAT THE plague WAS COMING so they looked for the meaning in the sea, or in the clouds, far and high up. They never thought to look near and knee-high, where they could see naught. Now, there was a poor widow at Dimchurch, under the wall, which, lacking men or property, she had the more time for feeling, and she come to feel there was a trouble outside her doorstep, bigger and heavier than aught she'd ever carried over it. She had two sons, one born blind, and t'other struck dumb through fallin' off the wall when he was little. They was men grown, but not wage earning, and she worked for em, keeping bees and answering questions. What sort of questions? said Dan. Like where last things might be found, and what to put about a crooked baby's neck. "'and how to join parted sweethearts.' "'She felt the trouble on the marsh, same as eels feel thunder. "'She was a wise woman.' "'My woman was wonderful weather-tender, too,' said Hobden. "'I've seen her brish sparks, like off an anvil, out of her hair in thunderstorms.' "'But she never laid out to answer questions. "'This woman was a seeker, like.' and seekers they sometimes find. One night, while she lay abed, hot and aching, there come a dream, and tapped at her window, and, Widow Whitgift, it said, Widow Whitgift. First, by the wings and the whistling, she thought it was Peewits. But at last she arose, and dressed herself, and opened her door to the marsh, "'and she felt the trouble and the groanin' all about her, "'strong as fever and egg, "'and she calls, "'What is it? "'Oh, what is it?' "'Then twas all like the frogs in the dick's peepin', "'then twas all like the reeds in the dick's clip clappin'. "'and then the great tide-wave rommel along the wall, "'and she couldn't hear proper. Three times she called, and three times the tide-wave did her down. But she catched the quiet between, and she cries out, What is the trouble on the marsh that's been lying down with my heart and arising with my body this month gone? She felt a little hand lay hold on her gown-hem, and she stooped to the pull of that little hand. Tom Shoesmith spread his huge fist before the fire and smiled at it will the sea drown the marsh she says she was a marsh woman first and foremost no says the little voice sleep sound for all o that is the plague comin to the marsh she says them was all the ills she knowed no sleep sound for all o that says robin she turned about half mindful to go in but the little voices grieve that, shrill and sorrowful, she turns back, and she cries, "'If it's not a trouble of flesh and blood, what can I do?' The Pharisees cried out upon her, from all round, to fetch them a boat, to sail to France, and come back no more. "'There's a boat on the wall,' she says, "'but I can't push it down to the sea, nor sail it when tis there.' Lend us your sons," says all the Pharisees. "Give a leave and goodwill to sail it for us, mother. Oh, mother! One's dumb and t'other's blind," she says. "But all the dearer me for that, and you'll lose them in the big sea." The voices just about pierced through her, and there was children's voices too. She stood out all she could but she couldn't rightly stand against that so she says if you can draw my sons for your job i'll not hinder em you can't ask no more of a mother she saw them little green lights dance and cross till she was dizzy she heard them little feet pattering by the thousand she heard cruel canterbury bells ringing to bulvaheys and she heard the great tide-wave ranging along the wall. That was while the Pharisees was workin' a dream to wake her two sons asleep, and while she bet on her fingers, she saw them two she bore come out and pass her with never a word. She followed em, crying pitiful, to the old boat on the wall, and that they took and runned down to the sea. When they'd stepped mast and sail, the blind son speaks. Mother, we're waiting your leave and good will to take them over. Tom Shoesmith threw back his head and half shut his eyes. Eh me, he said, she was a fine, valiant woman, the widow Whitgift. She stood twisting the ends of her long hair over her fingers. And she shook like a poplar, making up her mind. The Pharisees all about, they hushed their children from crying, And they waited, dumb still. She was all their dependents. Without her leave and goodwill, they could not pass, For she was the mother. So she shook like an apse tree making up her mind last she drives the word past her teeth and go she says go with my leave and goodwill then i saw that then they say she had to brace back same as if she was wading in tidewater the pharisees just about flowed past her down the beach to the boat i dinner many of em with their wives and children "'and valuables, all escaping out of cruel old England. "'Silver you could hear chinking, "'and little bundles hove down, "'dunt on the bottom boards, "'and passles of little swords and shields wrinkling, "'and little fingers and toes scratching on the boatside "'to board her when the two sons pushed her off. "'That boat she sunk lower and lower, "'but all the widow could see in it was her boys, "'moving hampered-like, to get at the tackle. "'Up sail they did, and away they went, "'deep as a rye barge, away into the offshore mists. "'And the widow Whitgift she sat down "'and eased her grief till morning light. "'I never heard she was all alone,' said Hobden i remember now the one called robin he stayed with her they tell she was all too grievous to listen to his promises ah she should have made her bargain beforehand I ellis told my woman so hobden cried no she loaned her sons for a pure love loan being as she sensed the trouble on the marshes and was simple good willin to ease it Tom laughed softly. She'd done that. Yes, she'd done that. From highs to bulver fratty man and maid, ailing woman and wailin' child, they took the advantage of the change in the thin airs just about as soon as the Pharisees flitted. Folks come out fresh and shining all over the marsh, like snails after wet. "'and that while the widow Whitgift sat grieving on the wall. "'She might have believed us. Uh, "'She might have trusted her sons would be sent back. "'She fussed no bounds when their boat came in after three days. "'And of course the sons were both quite cured,' said Una. "'No, that would have been out of nature. "'She got em back as she sent em. "'The blind man, he hadn't seen naught of anything.' "'and the dumb man, nature ally, he couldn't say aught of what he'd seen. "'I reckon that was why the Pharisees pitched on him for the ferryin' job.' "'But what did you—what uh, did Robin promise the widow?' said Dan. "'What did he promise now?' Tom pretended to think. "'Wasn't your woman a wit Ralph? Didn't she ever say?' "'She told me a passel o' no-sense stuff when he was born,' Hobden pointed at his son. "'There was always to be one of em that could see further into a millstone than most.' "'May! that's me," said the bee boy, so suddenly that they all laughed. "'I've got it now!' cried Tom, slapping his knee. "'So long as wit-gift blood lasted, Robin promised—' there would allus be one o her stock that that no trouble ud lie on no maid ud sigh on no knight could frighten no fright could harm no harm could make sin and no woman could make a fool of well ain't that just me said the bee-boy where he sat in the silver square of the great september moon that was staring into the oast-house door "'They was the exact words she told me "'when we first found he wasn't like others.' "'But it beats me how you known em said Hobden. "'Ah! There's more under my hat besides her!' "'Tom laughed, and stretched himself. "'When I've seen these two young folk home, "'we'll make a night of old days, Ralph, "'with parson old tales, eh? "'And where might you live? He said gravely to Dan, And do you think your pa'd give me a drink for taking you there, Missy? They giggled, so at this they had to run out. Tom picked them both up, set one on each broad shoulder, and tramped across the ferny pasture, where the cows puffed milky puffs at them in the moonlight. Oh, Puck, Puck, I guessed you right from when you talked about the salt. "'How could you ever do it?' "'Una cried, swinging along, delighted. "'Do what?' he said, "'and climbed the stile by the pollard oak. "'Pretend to be Tom Shoesmith,' said Dan, "'and they ducked to avoid the two little ashes "'that grow by the bridge over the brook. "'Tom was almost running. "'Yes, that's my name, Dan he said, "'hurrying over the silent, shining lawn,' "'where a rabbit sat by the big white thorn near the croquet-ground. "'Here you be!' he strode into the old kitchen-yard, "'and slid them down as Ellen came to ask questions. "'I'm helping in must praise house he said to her. "'No, I'm no foreigner. "'I knowed this country for your mother was born, "'and yes, it's dry work, Osten, miss. "'Thank you!' Ellen went to get a jug, And the children went in, Magicked once more, By Oak, Ash, and Thorn. A three-part song I'm just in love with all these three, The Weald, and the Marsh, and the Down Country. Nor I don't know which I love the most, The Weald, or the Marsh, Or the White Chalk Coast. I've buried my heart in a ferny hill, Twix a little low shore, and a great high jill. Oh, hop thine yaller, and wood-smoke blue, I reckon you'll keep her middling true. I've loosed my mind, for to out and run, On a marsh that was old when kings begun. Oh, Romney level, and Bransit reeds, I reckon you know what my mind needs. I've given my soul to the south-down grass, and sheep bells tinkled where you pass, O oh, furl and ditchling and sails at sea, I reckon you keep my soul for me End of Chapter nine Recording by Nick Whitley, Purley, United Kingdom